My Lord and my God, I believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. A number of years ago, I was giving a retreat in the south of Spain just after being ordained uh, to a group of men. And there was an 80 year old man who came to chat on the very first morning of the retreat, which was a bit unusual. Normally people wait a bit or towards the end of the retreat. And he came to chat and he told me that he did not want to come on this retreat. But the centre where he was going for recollections for a number of years, the director there invited him to come on this retreat. And he said, initially, I said no. And he said, I had three very good reasons for saying no. One is that I trained a certain type of horses. And there were some buyers coming from France to buy some of my horses this weekend. And I wanted to be there. Secondly, there were some people coming to put drains on my house. And I've been waiting two years for them to come put drains in my house and so I wanted to be there when they came. And thirdly, this is the week of the local fiesta and I haven't missed the fiesta ever since I was seven years of age. All my friends will be there. It's a time when we catch up. It's the social event of the year. It was just unthinkable for me to come on a retreat on these particular days. So I said no. And two weeks later he asked me again and again I said no. And he asked me a third time and again I said no. But after a while, I found that each time I said no, I became more and more uncomfortable. And the only way I could get any peace was by saying yes. And so I came in the retreat last night. And he said, you know, I'm only here a few hours. And already I'm very glad I came. Because you see, I've been attending these recollections of Opus Day for the last number of years. And I keep hearing about a thing called divine filiation spiritual childhood, life of childhood. I'm a child of God. He said, here I am, 80 years of age, so they're telling me to become like a child. And I could never understand what that means. Am I supposed to put on short pants or what? But he said, now I've come to realize what that means. I have to abandon myself into the arms of my father God. I've got to let him make the decisions. Let him make the calls. I'm not here just to do my will, I'm here to do his will. It was as though that man had discovered the pearl of great price. Over those few days of retreat, it was as though he rejuvenated by about 20 years. He became the life and soul of the party. We're told by St. John, you must see what great love the Father has lavished on us by letting us he called God's children, which is what we are. The reason why the world does not acknowledge us is that it did not acknowledge him. One of the central ideas of the teaching of St. Maria, that God gave him a special grace to see and to understand and to preach was that we are children of God. Spirit himself joins with our spirits, says St. Paul, to bear witness that we are children of God. 
For what you received was not the spirit of slavery to bring you back into fear. You received the spirit of adoption, enabling us to cry out, Abba, Father. In another place, he says, all who are guided by the spirit of God are sons of God. When we've just celebrated the great feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming into our soul, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruits of that grace in our soul is that we come to realize a little more that I am a child of God. God is not far away from me. He's beside me all the time. He's speaking to me in my soul in grace. External manifestations are not always the best evidence of closeness. Our closest friends are sometimes far from us, which doesn't prevent them from loving us dearly. The father is not necessarily close to his children throughout their lives, but he remains no less concerned about them. We might feel that our father God is far away or wonder where he is in certain moments of our life, when life strikes, and yet we know with faith that our Father God is beside us all the time. And when we feel that he's far away, we're often, that's when he's closer to us than ever. And so we can ask our Lord, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, to be more aware of our divine filiation. Something that we have to try and put into practice in a regular way every day. When we wake up in the morning, when we go to work, when we hit a bit of a snag, when there's a challenge, a roadblock, a difficulty in our life, in our profession, in our health, in our finances, it can be enormously consoling to know that I'm carrying the palm of a hand of a God who loves me. My Father God is beside me. If he has brought me to this, he will bring me through it. He's speaking to me through this circumstance. Sometimes in our life, God may sweep the feet from under us and leave us hanging there. But if he does that, it's because he wants us to look up, to learn what it means to be a child of God, to learn what real hope is, real trust is, real abandonment is. And sometimes these are the greatest lessons of our life. We might think we know what hope and trust and abandonment are or optimism. But it's only when we hit one of those situations that we, we really learn what it's all about. A number of years ago when I was living in Singapore, I was asked by this lady who had converted to Catholicism. She'd been a Protestant for many years and then she discovered the Catholic faith. And shortly after that, her husband converted. Now he was a, an orthopedic surgeon and he was a professor of orthopedic surgery. He liked his teaching very much. But then at the age of 51 years of age, he got cancer of the throat and of the larynx, of the thyroid and of the larynx, two cancers. For most people, one cancer is enough. But he got sort of a double whammy. And she asked me to go and see her husband in hospital. And he was a recent convert, and I expected that when I went to see him, he would ask me questions like, well, Father, why, why this? Why now? Why me? And so I was preparing myself for those questions. But when I went into the hospital room, before I could say anything, 
He said to me, Father, I see this event as a wake-up call for my children. I have three daughters. There's tw they're 21, 20, and 19. They're all in college. They're having a good time. They don't know what life is all about. I was very impressed with the supernatural approach of that recent convert. Trust in God, abandonment, real faith, real hope, real optimism. Seeing the positive side of the realities that God had brought him to. If we are a child of God, we will realize that our Father God is speaking to us in all sorts of moments. A lady told me once, she was a very busy professional lady. She'd helped to set up an airline in a certain city of Asia. And she said, I was sitting in the garden one day and I began to look at some of the roses in the garden. And as I looked at the roses, I was thinking that well, man has been able to put men in the moon. But no man can make a rose like that. She said, that was the moment of my conversion. She resigned from her position and she became a sort of a Mother Teresa in her city, taking care of AIDS patients. Spent the rest of her life doing that. And so God speaks to us in all situations. Sometimes he speaks to us very clearly, very deeply. Sometimes he invites us to a radical conversion. Sometimes he just reminds us to say our morning offering or our angels. Or to spend a bit more time with a certain child. Or to bring flowers to our wife. He speaks in our ear small things. It helps us to behave like a child of God. And to realize that I owe everything to him. After the Feast of Pentecost, we're now going towards the Feast of the Blessed Trinity. These are very good days to raise our heart and mind in thanksgiving to the Blessed Trinity. Because everything we are and we have, we owe to God. What have you, says St. Paul, that you have not received? Everything is a gift. It's a great way to live, giving thanks. Realizing that we are the recipient of so many things. We're just small children who can do nothing on our own. If professionally or financially or health-wise, things have worked out for us. Well, it's because it's the will of our Father God. And if they haven't worked out for us, we find ourselves at the bottom of the curve, in the biggest mess we've ever been in in our life. Everything grey around us, nothing looking good. Well, that's also because that's the will of our Father God. He's brought us into that situation. Perhaps to teach us what life is all about. And to help us to learn about our pathway to heaven. Unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. There was a mother once who had a six-year-old little boy and she noticed that her son had a bit of an ear for music, so she wanted to expose him to good music. And in the town there was a going to be a recital by a concert pianist. So she brought the kid along to the local hall where this was taking place. And then she noticed that there was a friend of hers about three rows away. So she told her son to stay where he was and 
she was going to go and greet her friend. So when the mother was gone, he thought, now's my chance to explore this place. So he left his seat and he began to walk around the place and he found a door that says no admittance. And he said, ah, this is what I want, adventure. And so he pushed through the door. A few minutes later, the lights were dimmed to signal that it was the start of the concert and the mother went back to her place to find that her son wasn't there. She began to panic a little bit. But just then the curtains rose and lo and behold, there's where her six, there was her six-year-old at a grand piano on the stage playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And this was the moment that the great maestro chose to make his entrance. And he was a bit surprised to find a little kid playing this tune at his great piano. But he whispered in the ear of the kid, keep playing, don't stop. And he put one arm at one end of the keyboard and another arm at the end of the other, uh, the other arm at the end of the other of the keyboard and began to accompany the kid in a duet playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And the audience were amazed. They thought, wow, this is real genius. What a, an original way to start a concert. And we're a little bit like that kid plodding away at the piano keys. And God comes and puts one arm around us on one side and the other on the other and converts what we're doing into the work of genius. And it's all his work, Deo Omnis Gloria. All the glory to God. We think with our little efforts, our little thoughts, our little initiatives that we achieve great things. But it's only because our Father God is there, helping us to achieve all these things. And so one of the expressions of being a child of God is to try and turn to that Father of ours many times each day and thank him or give him glory. At that realization that we managed to find this parking space or get this deal done or make somebody smile. It's because our Father God is helping all those things to happen. We are nothing on our own. In moments of fear or trepidation or concern or anxiety or worry, we can turn to our Father God and leave things in his hands. In many ways, that's what our morning offering is all about. Oh, Jesus, through the most pure heart of Mary, I offer you all my thoughts, words, actions, offerings, feelings on this day. We offer them everything. It can be a very good prayer to pray frequently as we move through the day. We realize that he's there waiting for us around every corner. There was a four-year-old kid once who spilled some Coca-Cola on the kitchen floor. And he wanted to mop it up himself because he was already older now, he's four, so he went to get the mop. The mop was outside the kitchen door, but halfway to the door he realized that it got dark outside. And he was afraid of the dark. And his mother was there and she realized why he suddenly stopped in his tracks because he was afraid of the dark. And so she said to him, it's okay, don't worry, Jesus is also there in the dark. So we went to the door. He poked his head out and he shouted out, Hey, Jesus, if you're out there, could you please pass me the mop? And so the little kid learned how to find God in the darkness. In the darkness of our lives, our Father God is always there waiting for us. 
perhaps waiting to give us new lights about certain truths or doctrines or about our own life, helping us to see things with a deeper perspective, with a new faith, a new hope, a new humility, a new charity, helping us to see that we're called along the pathway of love, to bring love to our wife each day, to our children, sometimes just with our mere presence, irrespective of what may be happening in the office or in our finances or with our boss, and to remind ourselves I am a child of God. You may have seen many years ago a movie called Dead Man Walking. It was about a, a nun who was counselling a man on death row. She was helping him to prepare for his execution, trying to help him to find faith and trust and optimism, comfort, consolation, so many other things. And at one moment she said to him, did you ever know that you were a son of God? And he said, well, you know, I've been called a son of many things in my life, but I have never been called a son of God. And all of us have to make that realization at some stage in our life. This is something real. My Father God is a Father who loves me, who follows me step by step, who protects me, he understands me, and he waits for a response of love from each one of us. From him we learn how to be a good father, spend time with our children, to talk to them, to listen to them on a regular basis, to create the atmosphere of a home, to try and live like a great human being so they can grow up knowing what that means, so that they also want to be like a great human being, a great father. Try and chain, train your, your daughter to be a great mother and your son to be a great father so that they can learn little bit more about their father God and also trust in him and have optimism in him in spite of their miseries and their mistakes we all make a lot of mistakes many children make lots of mistakes the little kid came home from school one day and told its mother that it had a big pain in its tummy and the mother said that's because there's nothing in it you put something in it and you'll feel much better a few days later, the parish priest came to call. In the course of the conversation, he happened to say that he had a terrible headache. And the five-year-old kid piped up and said, that's because there's nothing in it. You put something in it and you'll feel much better. And so children make mistakes and they fail. But they begin again. And the fact that we can consider the paternal presence of our Heavenly Father, who accompanies us everywhere, that can give us an unshakable confidence. The fact that God is my Father means that I have every reason to be cheerful, optimistic, transmitting joy to other people, patient, kind, can be the basis of our charity change the atmosphere where we may be in other people's lives. It means that every moment we can confide in our Heavenly Father, 
if we never feel alone, not afraid, because my Father God is with me, and nothing harmful therefore can happen to me, I'm on a pathway to heaven. We don't need to fear anything, especially death, because that's the wrong. The way I go to meet my Heavenly Father. No need for us to fear a stroke or a heart attack or cancer. These things aren't evils. These are the things of the pathway to the eternal wedding feast for us to be with our Heavenly Father forever. It's a great truth for us to teach our children, to let them be aware of the fleeting nature of this life doesn't matter what happens, all things turn out for the good because of our eternal destiny. And therefore, we need never feel afraid about anything because our Father God is with us. If you, evil as you are, said our Lord, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? How much more? It's a beautiful phrase. And so even if our world might seem to be collapsing, or the world of people around us might seem to be collapsing, we know that our Father God is at work in this moment, instilling virtue, leading us forward in holiness, teaching us how to carry the cross, teaching us about authentic virtue, perhaps reminding us that we're called to that goal of holiness, the eternal wedding feast, that's what it's all about. And so because God is my Father, in the cross when it appears, I don't see punishment, but rather a mission, a mission entrusted by the Lord himself. In Gethsemane, our Lord withdrew from the apostles, the stones throw, and kneeling down, he began to pray. And he said, Father, if it is possible, let this chalice pass from me. Our Lord was confronted with the greatest amount of human suffering that any human person ever had to endure. And Christ was no masochist. He didn't say, roll on suffering. I love suffering. He recoiled away from it in horror and disgust. Take this chalice away from me. But then he said, yet not my will, rather yours be done. As though welcoming the will of God, which is the greatest reality in our life. St. Jose Maria in the way says, abandonment to the will of God is the secret of happiness on earth. If you were to set up a stall on Haile Selassie Avenue and advertise the, the secret of happiness on earth, you might have a long queue. And yet we know the, what is the secret? It's abandonment to the will of God, the will of our Heavenly Father. And that prayer of our Lord in Gethsemane starts with the word Father. Father, if it is possible, let this chalice pass. The most important word in the phrase. It comes first. There is no contradiction between the fact that you are my loving father and you're about to visit me with the greatest amount of human suffering any person ever experienced. 
So we know, don't need to, fee, to fear anything because I'm in the hands of my loving Father. And all through our life, we have to try and maintain that childlike heart. There's a Chinese, Chinese philosopher called Ming Kuo, a disciple of Confucius, who said that a great person is one who never loses the heart he had as a child. Love of family, love of country, love of truth, love of life. And so Lord, help me to maintain this heart of a child, to be childlike in my piety, and I go to receive Holy Communion every day, savoring those communions with a new fervor, asking the Holy Spirit to lead me up onto a new level in my divine filiation, in my abandonment, my trust, my optimism, that I pray like a child, I ask like a child, I'm optimistic and cheerful like a child. Children don't worry about things. They don't just believe in their parents, they hope in them. They open them to solve all their problems. They know how to forget their problems each night and go to sleep and sleep well and wake up well the following day. Worries don't last. And we also have to know that we are a, a child of God in Christ. And that means we have to try and act like a child, react like a child, put into practice that faith, that hope, that optimism, that transparency, sincerity when we go to confession. We're going to pour out all the bad things we've done with our Father God in the sacrament. Get rid of all the, the dross that may be there, the things that weigh us down. Help other people to discover this great sacrament we savour the mercy of our Father God, who always forgives us, helps us to begin again. Our Father's God's patience with us leads us to be patient with others, to be uncomplicated, serene. And if ever we have some anxiety or some apprehension, we, we leave it in the hands of our Father God. We've been created to be children. Childlike, not complex. And to thank God for everything because everything is good. And so we live this childlike spirit in prayer, in our struggle, in spiritual direction, in obedience, in our defeats, in our miseries, in our apostolate, in our studies, in our problems with our blood family. We say with great confidence, all things turn out for the good. Try to see good in everything. And so St. Maria in the way of the cross says, may our stumbles and defeats separate us from him no more. Just as a feeble child throws itself contritely into the strong arms of its father, you and I will hold tightly to the yoke of Jesus. Only a contrition and humility like this and transform our human weakness into the fortitude of God. In another place he says, you are discouraged, why? Is it your sins and miseries? Is it your defeats? The times coming one after the other. A really big fall which you didn't expect. Be simple. Open your heart. 
Look, as yet nothing has been lost. You can still go forward and with more love, with more affection, with more strength. Take refuge in your divine sonship. God is your most loving Father. In this lies your security, a haven where you can drop anchor no matter what is happening on the surface of the sea of life. You will find joy, strength, optimism, victory. There are times in our life when we need to cry. All men cry. The sign of our humanity. Little children cry. Priest in Asia told me once how there was a great chess competition once between Sparsky, I think it was, and a computer. And the computer won. He beat the great chess champion in the world, but then the chess champion broke down and cried. And as priest said, in that he proclaimed his greatness, his humanity. The computer doesn't know how to cry. And sometimes we all need to seek out somebody that we can cry with. We shouldn't cry alone. And our Father God has given us spiritual direction, confession, whatever. The ability to go to somebody and to cry there with them, to get rid of those tears, so as to begin again. Perhaps to realise that things are not as bad as all that. And to infuse a new hope, a new trust in our Father God. Who permits things to make us depend totally on him. And so this coming week we can perhaps grow in those acts of thanksgiving and help other people around us to be more grateful to God for the good things that he's given to us. When we lose sight of our divine filiation, that we are children of God, will everything can begin to go wrong? Because we can think that we're strong and we're made to be successful. Or that we can do all sorts of things with the power of our hands. And that's when we begin to, to fail. God can use even our faults and failures, like an oyster when a piece of grit can produce a pearl of great price. And so we can ask our Lord that he might teach us to put that divine filiation into practice more frequently. We're told in the forge, draw strength from your divine filiation. God is a father, your father, full of warmth and infinite love. Call him father frequently and tell him when you're alone that you love him, that you love him very much, that you feel proud and strong because you are his son. And we can ask Our Lady, daughter of God the Father, mother of God the Son, spouse of God the Holy Spirit, that she might help us to grow more each day in our awareness of our divine filiation. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Holy Mary, our hope, seat of wisdom, pray for us. Amen.